Happy Monday to you. Welcome to the 66th episode of the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Can't believe this is episode 66. We've really just put out a lot of content in a very quick period of time. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, uh, publisher of Wolverines Wire, uh, which is through USA Today Sports Media uh, Group. Wow, I can't even say it this morning. <laughs> anyway, I want to start off before we even get into the show by thanking all of you loyal listeners. We had the best show ever that we've had on Thursday when we talked about what we knew about the Dax Hill situation. Uh, doubled, I think, the most we had ever had in uh, listening to one show. And then uh, end up getting the second best output the uh, the following day. Uh, I believe, on uh, Friday. So, huge thanks for that, but even, which what I'm even more impressed by and even more floored by, honestly, and I was shaking when I heard this. I got an email from uh, from the motherland. They're the uh, Locked On Podcast Network. And they said, congratulations to the shows that are on the iTunes charts, the top 200, for sports podcasts. And I pulled up the email and I expected to see Locked on Vols. They're the top college site, uh, college podcast rather in the network. Like didn't really seem to matter. Like when we had Joel Klatt on the program and things of that nature leading into the Ohio state game, we had Joel Klatt, we had Khalid Hill, we had a bunch of really good guests that week and that we still couldn't beat out uh, the Vols, uh, the Tennessee podcast. And yeah, uh, apparently we have because we were as high as 55th on iTunes this weekend. Now we're down to like 184th or something like that here on Monday morning. But huge thank you to everyone that helped make that happen. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that this podcast would get that kind of attention. We were the top all weekend. We were the top team specific podcast on iTunes across all sports. Every single sport. Uh, so that is amazing. Thank you, everyone that made that happen. Uh, I just can't get over it, honestly. So, and if you follow me on Instagram or any kind of social media, then yeah, you know that I can't get over it. Because it's just, it, it floors me in every possible way. Alright, so today we were supposed to have a special guest. Uh, unfortunately, they could not make it. Uh, so hopefully we'll get them tomorrow. Huge guest. That's going to be one of those shows that everyone's going to want to listen to. Uh, but so today, Monday, we uh, we're going to talk a little bit more recruiting. We were going to do that anyway. Uh, the latest of what I've heard on some of the you know big targets that Michigan has left. Uh, we'll talk about the commitments that they did get over the weekend as well. We'll delve a little bit into the basketball game and see if you know there are any concerns, anything like that. And then uh, take a really, really early look at three players who I think will rise in 2019. I think we'll see a couple of them in the bowl game. And I think you'll, excuse me, I think you'll see them play really, really well in that game. And I think that could be a precursor, but I don't think all three will. So we'll get into that. And I'll give you my thoughts of guys that I've kind of heard will, you know, a mixture of like who I heard would be really good and who I just think will be. You'll, you'll understand more when we get to it. All right, so uh, first off, recruiting. 
Now, Michigan got three commitments over the weekend, starting with Trevor Keegan, the four-star offensive tackle from Crystal Lake South in Illinois. I uh, had uh, had Michigan and Penn State and Georgia, and I know that there were some Georgia ruminations for a while, and uh, and I know that there there were some analysts out there that I, who I have utmost respect for that had said that they felt that. Georgia was most likely, I know this was a couple weeks ago. I don't know if they changed their tune. I don't have subscriptions anywhere, so I'm not really reading anything. I just kind of know what people kind of tell me once I like report something, you know, like people will say, well, this person, they'll, you know, they'll DM me and say like, this person is saying this, what do you think? And it's like, oh, okay, this is something I didn't know because I don't, I don't read anything from my former employer or rivals or any of those, but, uh, nonetheless, Huge pull for Michigan, considering that the the SEC was involved, that Georgia was involved, and that was a really cool press conference. If you watched any of it with Trevor Keegan's announcement with his family talking and everything, that was it kind of felt like watching Friday Night Lights. His mom kind of feels like Connie Britton, in a way, and his dad kept on swearing. It was kind of hilarious, but that is huge. Michigan now has six offensive linemen in the class, four four stars and two three stars. It's it's a heck of a haul and you got a couple guys that are going to be really really good, Keegan being the cornerstone now of that entire group. You got Keegan and Rumler and uh that's that's just a really really good haul. So, really excited to see what happens there. Equally big news, Michigan flipped four-star linebacker from Fort Lauderdale St. Thomas Aquinas, Anthony Solomon. Uh, who was a commitment to Miami, the U, my number two team, by for no other reason than choice after watching the U documentaries. Um, but uh, that's huge. Michigan needs speed. Michigan wanted uh, to get a guy like him into the fold uh, after, you know, really the, the debacle in Columbus. And that's when his commitment, or not commitment, but his recruitment started really taking off again. Because it had been pretty much, I'm not going to say he wasn't a take, but like once he committed to Miami back in April, it it looked like he was going to commit to Michigan and then things turned on a dime. And it, But it didn't, you know, I Mark Rick runs a clean program, so I'm, I wouldn't be concerned with anything like that. That's kind of why he, I think, this is conjecture, but I think that's kind of why he got ran out of Georgia a little bit is because he was really, really squeaky clean. And, uh... I don't think the SEC plays by the same set of rules at large as he does. Uh, conjecture on my part, remember. But just saying that uh, he's a good guy, a uh, good guy, good coach, plays by the rules, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> Anthony Solomon looked like Michigan had cooled off, and then right after the Ohio State game, they picked it up back up in a big way, and now he's a Wolverine as of Sunday night. And he's the kind of guy that has that same kind of play, and he's from the same region as Devin Bush. So now you got – I mean, he's smaller. He's 190 pounds, as people were very quick to point out. But he's a little taller than Devin Bush at uh, 6'1". But uh, it's it's kind of a Cam McGrone situation. Cam needs needed to add weight, needs to add weight, probably in order to play in the way that uh, Devin Bush did, but I would rest assured that Ben Herbert is going to make that happen. 
So uh, now you got a couple thumpers, and you still got Josh Ross. It's it looks like it could be a really fun linebacking core in the future. Not to forget uh, Jordan Anthony and um, Josh Uche and all of them. Michigan also picked up a preferred walk-on commitment in Jordan Castleberry from St. Edwards down there in the uh, in the Ohio. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna add a city to it, and then I was just like, wait, I don't. I, I don't really know Ohio's geography that good. But same school as uh, commits Quintel Kent and uh, and as uh, Caden Colasar. So uh, really just adding from that program. He's a running back. He's explosive. Uh, I saw, I think it was Steve Wiltfong tweeted that he, but it was either Wiltfong or Tom Van Heeren. It was one of those national guys who tweeted that he looked like he was West Virginia bound before this. So that's uh, that's that's a big one especially for preferred walk-on. You're, you know, there's a lot of guys that come in and make some impacts as preferred walk-ons. We saw a little bit of it from Jake McCurry. I know people complained about him being in the Ohio State game, but hey, the only play he was in made an impact. Got interfered with, Michigan moved the chains. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of people want to hear more about the next two people, what I'm hearing on Dax Hill and Zach Harrison. So starting with Dax Hill, I spoke to a couple people I didn't speak to the original sources that I had spoken to throughout the week before, but I talked to a couple others. One had more positive things to say, of which I can't divulge, unfortunately, but they were very, very positive. They were like, it basically made it sound like, oh, cool, done deal. But then I talked to another source, and this one was kind of close to the thinking inside the halls of Schembechler, and it was not nearly as positive. It was, it wasn't negative per se, but it was kind of a, it was just kind of more of a, we'll believe it when we see it, and there's not something that, we believe it's possible, but we'll believe it when we see it, because they're aware of how difficult it is to get someone back from Alabama, right? And, I mean, they reiterated a lot of the stuff that we talked about uh, on the show in the previous days about what, uh, you know, the a lot of the stuff about, you know, why Harbaugh had to come out and reaffirm that he's staying and and all of that kind of stuff. Like the things that he was perhaps told that helped him coerce him to make the change. But. It's it's going to be a wait and see mode. Now, remember on Friday I said the expectation was that he was going to do it before signing day. And if you get to a Tuesday night and he hasn't done it, you got to feel like he probably won't. I still feel like that's true. But part of me also thinks that if he was, and the positive news I got that I, again, cannot share, unfortunately, makes you think that he might not hold true to that idea and just be like, you know what? I'm just going to keep it quiet and then I'm just going to sign my LOI and send it to where I'm going to send it. So that could be the case. I do think if you get to considering everything I had heard about the timelines of things, if he doesn't do it before Wednesday, 
Like if we get to tomorrow night, if really if we get to tomorrow, that's probably not a good sign. So we'll see. Nothing's really changed except for the fact that he hasn't flipped back. But I would say I have, as the, as the days go by for this reason, by what I was told, as we progress down this timeline, I'm less confident. On Thursday, I was 51%. On Friday, I was 50%. Now I'm like 40%, I'd say, on him flipping back. I think that's fair. Uh, Zach Harrison. Uh, I checked in with one person close to the Michigan side of things. Uh, and they basically said, listen, we nothing's changed with, with our feeling in Harrison. I know there was a report out there that Michigan was essentially eliminated. As far as I've heard, that's not the case. I think that's just conjecture, and that's probably coming from somewhere else. I don't think anyone really knows what is actually going with Zach Harrison. But uh, as far as the person I spoke to said, listen, I don't, we don't think anything's changed, right? And I'll explain in greater detail if, if, if he commits, if he doesn't commit, whatever, on, uh, on Thursday's show, uh, maybe Wednesday's show, depending on how things go there. But uh, about just kind of what I knew all along. But part of it is, you know, that you have, like I said, the Urban Meyer thing, you know, he... he didn't really see eye to eye with Urban Meyer, but is does that change things really? You know, like there was a lot of indication that he did not want to be a Buckeye. If he wanted to be a Buckeye, he would have been a Buckeye forever ago, and he's still not. So that makes it kind of hard to uh, to quantify that suddenly, just because of one game. And again, I urge you people who sit there and say. 62 to 39 that's the difference it's one game does not and i i've saw people saying like listen it's more than one game it's a decade and a half of dominance by ohio state no it's still one game like when you're a recruit like that that recruit doesn't sit down and say like ooh look at the record going back to 2000 look at the record back to the year i was born yikes they don't do that that's not how that works anyone who's who does that is looking for an out because recruits, the way they look at it, they go and look at the school. They look at at everything. And if the school's having a hard time, guys like Zach Harrison look at it like, okay, well, you know what? I can, uh, I can make a difference here. I'm going to continue on this train of thought with Zach Harrison and a couple other things. We're, yeah, we're going to end up skipping the uh, the three players thing, uh, but because uh, we're running. We're running short on time as usual. This is like it's like the Matt Damon and Jimmy Kimmel thing. <laughs> like, sorry, we didn't have time to get to Matt Damon. Uh, you don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. If you're sick of paying for 20 channels, you never watch when you just want to see your team win. Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. Thirty dollars a month will get you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and much, much more. Stream to your big screen and to all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Sign up for Sling TV and get your seven-day free trial. Locked On Wolverines listeners can get their seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so continuing our recruiting talk. So Zach Harrison again. When it comes to, like I was saying, when it when it comes to recruiting and everything, people put way too much stock. Fans put too much stock on one game. Recruits generally don't do that. And I know some come out and say, like, yeah, well, that kind of changed our thoughts and whatever. But that's not uh, Steve. This is something I've learned from Steve Lorenz when I worked with him for three plus years. Is that almost never does that single game result make that much of a difference. So if Zach Harrison does pick Ohio State, it will not have much to do with that one game. It will have to do with the fact that his high school, Olentangy Orange, is like 15 minutes away from the horseshoe. His mom seems to be a very big Ohio State fan, despite the fact that they're from Chicago originally. And that that won out. It happens. Sometimes kids go to the school that they don't necessarily want to go to because that's where their parents want them to go to. And sometimes they go to the school they want to even though their parents don't want them to. And you see that happen all the time on either side every single year. But when it comes to flipping out and saying, well, things have changed and whatever, I don't think anybody knows whatsoever what is going on. And that includes all of the top recruiting insiders out there. Because just because maybe there's some traction happening at some of the other schools, it's getting late. He's 17 years old. He's going to kind of try to figure out what he wants to do. But they're not exactly open about it. They're not exactly open about... uh, I heard about some of the things that Harrison's Harrison said when people went and visited his school and some of the things that they said in interviews. Him and his mom and I had info that flew kind of in the face of some of the things that were said and it's not I'm not saying he's like lying or anything. It was just recruiting talk, right? Well, all of our schools are equal and you know, we think this about this school and this and that and whatever and and behind the scenes it wasn't the case. That's typical of recruiting, right? Like I remember for years of talking to Donovan Peoples Jones. How did this go? Well, that visit was was excellent. So was the you know so were the rest of my schools. Like okay, but you know like you have a favorite. All schools are equal. Okay, no, they're not. <laughs> you know that's just the nature of the beast. Um. All right, moving on. I was told that things went uh, went well with uh, Cornelius Johnson when he was in town here. Uh, I don't have much more of a pulse on it than that. I was just told that things went really well. They feel like they did a good job. We'll see how it goes. I don't know anything more about if uh, if that uh, 
if that is enough to sway him. I still kind of feel like Notre Dame is probably the school to beat for him. But, uh, I mean, he hadn't really, he didn't get the kind of attention and get to go go to campus and do the thing, those type of things until this weekend. He looked like he was having a really good time uh, hanging out with uh, some of the people in the recruiting department at the basketball game. You can go to wolverineswire.com to see the gallery there and see uh, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, hopefully I'll connect with Cornelius uh, in the coming days before signing day. <laughs> so not much time there. Uh, I think he's deciding down the road anyhow. Happy trails to two. Kalen DeLoach, the linebacker from Savannah, Georgia, who was committed to Florida State. Despite the seeming public lobbying from his parents that they wanted him to go to Michigan, he is saying firm with Florida State, according to Josh Newberg. Uh, the twenty what well, excellent twenty four seven sports, Florida State writer. So happy trails to him, and uh, happy trails as well to offensive tackle Chris Akrapajin, who uh, had visited last weekend, as in the weekend before this past one, on an official visit to Michigan. He stays firm in his commitment to Tennessee. I'm sure that uh, Trevor Keegan's commitment has a lot to do with that. Now. To finish up kind of on our recruiting stuff here, there are apparently rumors all weekend that Quentin Johnson was going to flip somewhere, but he reaffirmed his commitment to Michigan this weekend, so there's nothing to worry about there. I don't, I, I hadn't heard any of those rumors until uh, I was asked about it on the podcast for Thursday's show. Um, and uh, Michigan got another really big visitor on campus, this time for the 2020 class. The more they can get him on campus, the more they can get him to bond with uh, people behind the scenes in front of the scenes all of the above that's good and that's uh that's 2020 offensive guard Justin Rogers from Oak Park I'm pretty close with the Oak Park uh program uh that's where we tape uh the breakdown with Devin Gardner if you've seen that uh the show that we ran I think we had eight episodes last uh last year on Wolverine's wire of uh the new number 98 and I talking about uh most of the games here and you know, all that kind of stuff. But we filmed that at Oak Park. And uh, Justin it was very open about how Michigan had kind of climbed back in it for him. And at the game, the basketball game, he seemed to be bonding uh, more and more with Chris Bryant. Uh, spent some time as well with uh, Sam Popper, the recruiting intern. So uh, there was a picture that was circulating around uh, around the internet of uh, of them at the game. Anyhow, excellent to get him back on campus. He's a five-star. If you did not know that already, he's a must-get in that class, especially being in Michigan's backyard in Oak Park. All right. We are going to move on and get to that basketball game. Are there any concerns? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I mean... Not ideal, but we'll get into it. Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcast. Our demographic is 98% male and has more education and earns more than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. Email me at LockedOnWolverines at gmail.com. Okay, so didn't leave a heck of a lot of time. As usual, I didn't want to shortchange the recruiting stuff. So we let that take two segments. I'm sure it's going to be recruiting here on out uh, for uh, for all of this. 
this podcast, and then I'm sure Thursday, then we'll continue to talk about what happened and whatever. But uh, let's switch gears to Michigan basketball a little bit. Michigan basketball had what ended up being a close game, 70-62 to over Western Michigan on Saturday. Uh, talking to some colleagues before, they were like, well, Western Michigan's bad. Michigan's going to go out and win this really handily. And I cautioned that I thought this game was going to go like it did. So I'll start out with that. Like, it's, yeah, it it seems like, you know, number five team should roll a team that ends up being five and five after the game and whatever. Michigan's at times looked like the best team in the country. But uh, it's difficult when you are playing a directional school. You know, it's get difficult to get up. And it wasn't like Michigan was just floundering. A lot of their shots just were getting bad bounces. And it happens. Seemed like in the first half of the game, they couldn't get anything to drop. It seemed like it was like bounce once, bounce twice, and then off the rim instead of into the basket. Uh, Charles Matthews had a big game, 25 points for him. Uh, really good to see that because he's somewhat been inconsistent offensively throughout the year. Uh, Jordan Poole continues to be really good. Double digits there, 14 points. I should mention Charles Matthews had a double-double because he also had, I believe, 10 rebounds. And uh, Xavier Simpson uh, had 15 points. And it was he really kind of helped get that run started because Michigan was down eight uh, near the end of the first half. And then suddenly they, they were about to go down 10. They got the ball back, and that's when the 10-0 run started, and they ended the first half uh, up two. And that all kind of started with Xavier Simpson on the defensive end, and he had a couple shots in there that really uh, helped make that happen. So, again, really good teamwork. Um, Western Michigan played what looked like out of their minds. They played an excellent game defensively. They looked a lot like how Michigan looks defensively in the game. And then offensively, they were getting enough to uh, fall, and it really kind of started with Michael Flowers, who had 31 points. And John Beeline said after the game that he's a player now. (laughs) I know that sounded like Don Brown, like, He's he's a real player now. That's not I don't have a very good Don Brown impression, but uh nonetheless. He said, like, you know, don't pay attention to the fact that he played plays at Western Michigan. Like this guy is a dude. Right? So and the whole team really kind of played like it. The Broncos came out and really did something. And uh, you know what? It also wasn't a very good game for Brasdite for Brasdakis. I know I'm never saying it right, Brasdakis. And John Teske, who were both ineffective offensively. And on top of it, Western Michigan outshot Michigan 46% to 44%. Michigan was 38%, uh, 39% from three. Uh, They hit their free throws down the stretch, though. 60% still not going to cut it, but that percentage increased when it counted most. And that's something that you really wanted to see. And Beeline said after the game, like, hey, you know, this is the game we needed. Not that Northwestern game. But he, he said, like, I had glimpses even before the game started of NJIT. And here it was happening, staring me right in the face again. And this is exactly the type of game we needed. Like, don't pay attention to your ranking. Understand that that team has something that's got you and be able to persevere through it. And that's exactly what they did. I would not be concerned if I were Michigan fans. Now, if it continues to happen, yeah, be concerned. Um, Especially a game like that, you really wanted to see some depth. You really wanted to hopefully see Brandon Johns get in. Uh, Beeline admitted after the game that he uh, he threw in Austin Davis because of the big that uh, Western had more so. 
Said if they uh, if their guy was maybe a little bit shorter, he would have gone with Brandon Johns. But you want to see some of that depth get in. He's mentioned often that he wants to see David DeJulius get in. Uh, and they need to get some games where they can get those guys some work before the Big Ten starts. And you really you only have two left in order to do that, Air Force and Binghampton. That's all the time we got. We're going to end on time today. <laughs> For the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. You can find me online at Isaiah Hole. Uh, follow the podcast at on Wolverines, Wolverines Wire at Wolverines Wire. If you'd like to be a feature sponsor on the show, please email me at LockdownWolverines at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, or online at WolverinesWire.com, where we post our daily podcast every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Lockdown Wolverines, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.